Welcome back to episode five of What's the Value? Uh, today we had an interesting guest on, as we usually do. They're all interesting. Um, today's guest was Nick, and Nick, I may butcher your last name, but so so sorry about that. But it's uh, Narbatovsky, um, and Nick is an ex-military pilot, worked in the military for a while. Uh, he's a certified life coach. He's also a published author, and interestingly enough, he writes uh, a lot about science fiction, uh, particularly his new book, which is coming out soon, um, where he uses science fiction to kind of explore philosophical topics and questions and dilemmas, which is obviously really relevant and interesting to this show. Um, so we had a we had a good conversation, and a couple things I'll say before I let you guys listen. Um, firstly, what you'll hear is uh, Nick's values were very much driven around respect for other people, treating other people the right way with kind of a, a as you follow that thread, kind of a, a greater good for society. The belief that if everybody kind of treats each other the right way and we align on certain values and ethic, ethical codes, um, it minimizes friction and it makes society better, which then makes everybody else better. That's kind of the optimal path for happiness, even for the individual. So we explored that a lot um, and got into some interesting conversations around, you know, the implications of that and, and what are the pros, what are the cons, what are the risks? Um, particularly, you know, one interesting thing that he brought up was the idea that, you know, we all have our own personal values. Um, but sometimes if there's a value that's more accepted by society, you should prioritize that higher over some other values you might have that are more just unique to you. And obviously that's a really interesting topic and concept. So we kind of explored that a bunch. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. It was, it was again, a very deep philosophical conversation. We referenced lots of different philosophical topics and all different areas like that. Um, and hopefully you guys learned something from it. So thanks and enjoy the show. All right, Nick, thanks for being on, man. Um, I'm going to start and jump right in as we always do with the first question. Uh, what's the value? What's the value that's most important to you and kind of guides your life? You know, I'm glad you asked that because I was thinking about it as we were kind of getting ready for this. And uh, I think it comes down to what I tell my kids every time they're fighting with each other. And that's treat each other kindly and with respect. And if I had to pick one of those things, it'd probably be the respect. Okay. And how do you how do you define respect? What does that look like? Treating somebody with respect. <sighs> So uh, respect, and, and this goes back to, interestingly enough, the uh, philosophy um, class that I took in college. Uh, to me, it means uh, treating someone as an end in themselves and not a means to an end. Hmm. Interesting. Let me process that for a second. So would that be saying you're not treating someone towards some objective that you want to get something to benefit you? You're treating them... Is it, to, is it to treat them to help them to do something beneficial for them or no, it's just to treat them kind of neutrally? It's, it's, to, it's to know that they are, are human and they have value, right? Not just what they can do for you, right? So um, a, a shovel is a means to an end, the end being a hole in the ground, right? But hu humans aren't shovels. So you need to remember that, you know, whatever you're doing, even when I'm interacting with my kids, you know, I want them to clean up the room. A clean room is the ends, right? But they are not just tools; they're people. So I still need to to provide them that level of respect and, yeah. and autonomy. So I like that. I like that. So I'm thinking about it. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of I'll go I'll follow a thread and kind of we'll see where it goes. But the, the, if you think about society and how humans function, there, there's a great degree of interconnectedness to it. Um, we are social animals, so there is this idea of of interaction and to use the word, but maybe I'm using it differently. There is some usage of people, right? You are kind of interacting and I need this person to do that. And I need to do that. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not saying those things don't reconcile, but just curious how that kind of fits in when you think about it. So the first thing that jumped into my mind when you mentioned that was value. Okay. And and people can create value, I think. And and oftentimes like a good relationship is based on that, is providing value to to another person. Um, but when it gets, I think when it gets to the point where the value is all you care about and, and you'll do anything to get that value, that's kind of where you've drawn the line between um, between that uh, that respect versus um, just needing a means to an end. Mm, okay. So is it to say then, um, just to kind of press on this a little bit, let's say you have an objective in life, right? You're trying to achieve something within your career. You're trying to, to do something. Would you go as far to say that, um, well, I guess let me ask it more as a question. If, if you need something from someone for you to reach your objective, how does that work? I, I, I imagine you could still, you could still, I'm, I'm trying to not use the word use someone because it has such a negative connotation. So I'm trying to think of a different phrasing for it, but, but I'll stick with it for now. Like, is it that you need to put your own objective, your own wants and desires beneath the other person in order to make sure that you are respecting them? Or like, where, where's the line in that, I guess? Uh, so, and, and I think, uh, I think we might be approaching this in somewhat of a false dichotomy, whether you have okay. to, where you have to either do one thing or the other. I think, okay. I think you can probably do both. Um, I think you can both acknowledge that they are an, an end in themselves and they are deserving of respect and dignity as a person, but you can also say, and here's what I need out of this relationship and, and, and take care of, you know, my interests. Right. And interestingly enough, you mentioned um, values, right? That's what the show's all about. What's sure. the value? Uh, values and interests, they're, they're two different things, right? You know, we, we can do something that may be in our interests at the time, but it's not necessarily in accordance with our values. Mm. So when we're trying to do that and hold that tension in our minds between treating someone as an end of themselves and also, you know, pursuing value in a relationship, like that's, that's kind of how those ideas might play out, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think you're right. I think we often, and, and, and maybe it's true, but we don't know, or at least I don't, this idea that it, that false dichotomy you called out, I think that's probably a good way to think about it. We shouldn't assume that you have to pick between them, but let's go to a scenario where, where maybe you do, or where, where people might be thinking as they're listening to this, you know, what about this type of scenario? And I guess I'll go to the most obvious one right now without getting into the full politics of it and all that. But we're in a situation right now as, as a society with, with the pandemic and COVID and the vaccine debate, right? And let's just play a thought exercise. We don't have to get into what our beliefs are on it. But let's say there's somebody who strongly believes everybody should be vaccinated and they're dealing with somebody else who does not want to be vaccinated. So now you're in this situation where you want to respect them, you want to value them as a person, which I think makes perfect sense in this situation. If you strongly believe for your own well-being or your families or societies that they're doing something that puts you at risk, like, like somebody might believe in this case, how do, how do you handle it in that situation? That's, that's a really good, uh, really good example, actually. Um, so I, th I think this comes down to an interplay between individual values uh, and, and societal values, mm -hmm. right? Um, Ethics versus morality. Maybe we can we can talk about that just for a second, right? Sure. Your your morals 
come from your your personal beliefs, right? And and they're often you know personal truths, if you will. Um, whereas ethics are a code of behavior. This is how we all agree to act and the things we agree to do. Um, you may have differing morals that lead to the same ethical outcome, mm. but we have all agreed to abide by these ethics. And so this is where you get into, you know, theories of society and everything else. So um, I think if, if, uh, if I were to take the opposite stance of the, uh, the individual that you described there, um, what I would say was, you know, here's where we as a society need to acknowledge that our personal freedoms, we voluntarily give up some of those in order to live in a society that is better for everybody. Mm. Right. And so whatever your personal morality is, whatever your, you know, your personal truth is, we, we have all agreed to do that. Right. We have all agreed in the rule of law and, you know, in the idea that some things are better for everybody, so we should do them. And so I guess it comes down to, I guess this is really an oversimplification, but it might help to kind of think of it in these terms. Um, like my personal freedoms end where they start to impact yours. Yeah, I agree with that. Where, where I think it gets tricky, and this is what I struggle with so much, which is why I'm going down this line of questioning, because I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> you have more insight on it and you do. So, it, so it's, it's perfect. Um, it, it's that line, right? Like where that line is. And like what I often think about is the, the way I've often said it is like, everybody's got their own shit aside from maybe mental illness, right? We're all dealing with, with things. And I think most people are trying to do the right thing and they're making decisions because they think they're the right decisions. Now they might not be right. They might not be that sophisticated in their thinking. They might not have enough information, but everybody's kind of trying their best. And by and large, I'm empathetic to that. And I feel like for, for that reason, I'm very understanding of people and very respectful for the reason you say until they do something where, you know, to put it simply, like they're being an asshole or they're hurting somebody else, which I think is putting it more bluntly than you're putting it. But the question becomes who decides when they're being an asshole or when it's actually hurting somebody else. And, and I think you're saying there's kind of a societal ethical code that we need to live by. Um, but, but who passes judgment on that? Like who gets to decide if it's within it or without it, I guess, is the question. Ah, so the uh, the Matryoshka theory of civilization, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Russian nesting dolls. So, you know, at an individual level, it's whatever local government that you are a part of, right? So I live in a city, there's a municipal code that they say these are the things that are in accordance with the law, right? Well, who gives them that authority? And so on and so forth. Um, all the way up to the point where you have the, the international stage, right? Where you have nation states, we'll just call them the states, right? Um, and they're founded on ideals, for lack of a better word, um, Western ideals of democracy and the, uh, the, the power being derived from the people, right? Um, if you take all the way back to Westphalia, <laughs> if we want to go way back in time. Um, and then you have other theories of government, um, Machiavelli, the prince. We've got, you know, authoritarian regimes, uh, you know, uh, let me think. Um, China and Russia are the obvious ones, but, uh, but the idea of authoritarian rule still exists. And so maybe then it's either, you know, a divine right uh, in some cultures, or it goes back to, you know, uh, a right of blood, whatever it is. Um, but who says who can do what is basically comes down to what level, like where do you draw the bounds of your society as a system? 
I guess I would say, you know, systems are all interconnected. So the, the further out you go, everything is interconnected because we all live on the same planet still. Um, so where do you want to draw the bounds of your system? And that's going to inform your answer of like, well, who's giving you this authority to tell me what to do? Is there a universal to that? Is, maybe what you're saying is no. So there's no universal to that. It, it's, it's dependent on, I guess, the society you live in is what you're saying. And there's kind of a general agreement on it. Well, so that, that line of, of reasoning kind of runs down the, um, the cultural relativism. Um, I, used to, I used to teach a, uh, an ethics class, and uh, I would, I would, it was a Socratic method class, so we'd ask questions and people would discuss, and almost every class would wind up on some form of cultural relativism. We're like, oh, you know, it, it may not be what I believe, but, you know, I'm not always right, so it's whatever they believe. It's, it's all relative. And then I would pull up the scene from uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where the priest like rips the guy's beating heart out of his chest. Yep. And I, my response was, oh, it's okay though, right? It's, it's cultural relative. <laughs> it's culturally relative. relative. So um, I don't think we're going to find the answers to those questions, but I do think that uh, there is a strong argument towards a universal guiding set of principles. Um, whether or not those principles are based on individualism or collectivism, I think is where you see a lot of the dichotomy in society today, especially in the United States, but honestly, globally, yeah. um, our, our friends across the Atlantic ocean are in, you know, a little bit better, but not, not that much better shape. Right. As far as that goes. Um, so, you know, not, not to dive too far down a rabbit hole, but um, there's several different theories of, uh, of ethical reasoning. Um, you've got your deontology, you've got your consequentialism, and then just to make it a little bit more interesting, you've also had your irritating ethics, which deal with more of the, uh, how one should be, what the virtues one should try to embody, because a virtuous person that embodies these characteristics will always do the right thing. Mm. A little, little bit more Aristotelian at that point, but, uh, justifying action becomes, an interesting byplay when you start bringing in many different ethical paradigms to the to the map. Yeah, I think that's right. I think what you're hitting on is is a lot what I think about too, because I, I like to think about things from like a philosophical level, and then also from almost like a cognitive psychological level, because I think there's there's the macro philosophies of, of life as a whole and, and and what we're doing here and what our purpose is and what virtues are, and then there's also just the more micro level of how our minds work. And on that more micro level, I tend to hold the view that um, we shouldn't trust our own minds. Now, I don't, I don't mean that to say like they're completely untrustworthy and we're all crazy and we're all, you know, illogical or irrational. I mean that to say sometimes we are just by design, right? The way our, our minds are designed and through evolution and the, the nature of, of blind spots and, and biases and, and our ego and all that, we don't know it when, when we're acting in a way in which we, we maybe otherwise wouldn't want to act. So when you bring that into the conversation, I think that's where it gets tricky because even if there was kind of a universal code of ethics or something that we're meant to follow or that we generally agree with, you, you touched on it with the justification point. I think our minds are so quick to justify things for our own benefit, right? Even if we don't acknowledge it, even if we don't admit it. And I think that throws a whole nother level of complexity into this, even from where we started in terms of respecting other people. Because I could see a scenario where somebody says, um, listen, I, I need to hurt that person because it's going to help a thousand other people or something like that. 
Um, and again, that's just the justification they're using to benefit themselves in some ways. So not really a question in there so much, but kind of just adding that to the mix of like where that fits into you of how you kind of reconcile that with your own mind. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point. There's an interesting thought experiment um, where there's a, a doctor who uh, receives a patient into the ER who uh, needs a relatively simple procedure, um, but they happen to be a, a perfect donor match for like 15 other, you know, organ organ people who have been waiting organ transplants. And, uh, you know, one of them is a, a doctor themselves. One of them is, you know, the next Nobel Peace Prize winner, you know, all of these, and they're all going to die unless they get an organ. And this guy was a homeless guy off the street. So, uh -huh. you know, what do you, what do you do? You're the doctor, you know, this person may or may not die under anesthesia. It's up to you. Um, now that's not to like make people make impossible decisions. Oh, no, that's a fascinating it, it, one. Yeah. Keep going. Right. So, so I've seen people kind of go there. Well, obviously I'm going to save the guy's life because I took an oath, you know, do no harm. And I'm like, ah, so the ethics, right. The, the Hippocratic oath, that is an ethical code that doctors live by. Right. Um, other people are going, well, I mean, I can do the most good for the most people. Right. And so now we're getting a little bit into, um, the the ends justify the means consequentialism mm -hmm. to that point um but it really just defines uh depends on how you define good and this is the i guess the question of our age um where where we where we look at difficult situations and how we make decisions in them. um you mentioned earlier about you know wanting to justify things um for your own good yeah, absolutely. I think I think you hit on uh, the idea of bias right there, right? Um, knowing that you have bias, knowing that all humans have biases, uh, is the first step in accounting for them. But like, there's no way we're going to get rid of our biases, right? So, so how do we have that self awareness? And there's something you've been mentioning, and it keeps bringing my mind keeps coming back to this about what do we do? <laughs> like, where's, where's the, so what in all of these things we're talking about? And I think that, uh, the idea of reflective self-practice is, is the, so what behind this, like we as higher thinking beings have a responsibility to continually question why we believe what we do and to evolve our thinking, uh, on a, as a habitual, you know, part of who we are. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love that. And I want to, I want to follow that thread. Cause I, I think, I think I agree with that in many ways. I do want to step back to the thought exercise for a second though, because I, I do find it really interesting. And I think in some ways it gets to the spirit of this show, right? Because the, the reason I start with what's the value is exactly what you said, right? It, a lot of it comes down to what, what is good, what is good. And I think the way we define that individually is based on our values, right? We figure out what we value, what matters to us. And that ultimately dictates what's good. So if I play out that thought exercise that you're saying, I think, but, but you'll correct me, your, your take, given your initial value of respecting people and not treating them as an end, uh, sorry, as a means, but that they are people, would that lead you down that path and that thought exercise to say, well, I can't kill that person for their organs ultimately to, to give them to other people, although I understand the rationale, my value says people aren't to be used, they're, they're people in and of themselves, would that be your response to that? Yeah. So if, I mean, yeah, that's, that's my personal, you know, approach to this sort of thing. Okay. It's like, you know, people are not a means to an end. Right. But th there's always the question of scale. Hmm. Right. Um, are you going to 
kill uh, one pilot of a bomber that carries a nuclear weapon that is going to go destroy a city. Mm-hmm. Right. What, what now? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in the driver's seat. What do you do? Right. So it, it, you can, you can play with these things and, you know, you don't have to come up with all of the answers right off the bat, but just the idea of grappling with these difficult concepts will, I think, really help lead a person down the ability to reason before, you know, it becomes a, an instant decision, right? So having done all this thought work beforehand, when you get into that conversation with somebody that you disagree with, or maybe that uh, has a different way of viewing things, you don't have to try and come up with all these things of why you believe what you what you believe or why you think what you think you think on the spot. Mm. Yeah, and I think it ties back to the point you're making about it's it's the process, right? It's it's the process mm-hmm. of being self-reflective, of acknowledging biases. The way I often put it is like to me the goal is to try and get as much clarity as I can, right? We we never have full clarity for various reasons, right? Our external environment internally how our mind works you know sometimes situations just so complex and nuanced that it's hard to tell but we're striving to get as much clarity as we can get that doesn't guarantee us we're going to have the answers it doesn't guarantee us we're going to make the right decisions but it's trying to increase the odds or the probability that in any given situation we have more clarity and we're more likely to make a quote-unquote better decision and i think that kind of aligns to what you're saying and by kind of repping this practice over and over again when those instances do arise if they do it gives you a a better chance at it is that kind of the the spirit of it i think i think so absolutely i mean i've i i am relatively young hopefully still Um, (laughs) we'll we'll get to 40 but i'm in no hurry uh (laughs) but uh, i i have never been in a position or a situation where i have thought to myself man i I wish i hadn't thought about this situation as much as i did before i got here yeah. Well, right. let me, let me, let me play the other side of that. Cause, cause I, I agree with that, but um, to the point that we can never know for sure, right. Nothing's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. We don't know if we're making the right decisions. And even at a very base level, you know, what is good, what's the meaning of life. Not sure if you have a take on that, but my personal view is we, we likely will never know, right. It's individual to us. So you could see somebody making an argument that says all that thinking um, it's not going to help you because you're not going to know, you're not going to know if it's the right decision. There's so many variables at play. So it's not to say there isn't a right and wrong, but we don't know what it is. So you might as well just guess, you know? Oh, I have, I have a good one for this. So um, that attitude, I think, is, uh, is probably indicative of someone who is uh, relatively uncomfortable with complexity and, and uh, you know, has not yet um, wrapped their mind around the idea that there is no such thing as certainty, like, Full stop. Yep. I'm with you. <laughs> right. So, you know, yeah, you're, you're not going to know if you did the right thing. You may never know if you did the right thing. And you, there may have been a hundred other things you could have done that would have been better. But at some point, whatever that, you know, comfortable comfort level you have, right, whether you're 50% confident that this is the right answer, whether you're 70% or whether you're one of the 99% that's like, I'm not going to make a decision unless I'm absolutely certain it's the right one you have to act at some point, mm-hmm. even, even not acting as a choice. Right. So figuring out how you're going to deal with that and what your personal comfort level is, and then living in a complex universe, I think will will do a lot to, to help people kind of wrestle with those things and maybe come to some peace with it. Hmm. On a practical level, like if you're, if you're in one of those situations where you don't know the answer, obviously, right. I think I agree mm-hmm. with you, no certainty, full stop. 
but let's say you're, you're making a tough decision. I guess let's go back to your thought exercise, right? Let's say you're that doctor, you're trying to make that decision. What are some practical things you try and do to get to clarity, right? Assuming you acknowledge this is a complex situation, my mind has different things, whether it be biases or just fear, right? The fear of like, what's my family going to think if I do this? Or what's society going to think? That can obviously do a lot of things in your mind as well. What do you try and do practically to, to keep yourself as level-headed and, and practical and logical as you can? So difficult decision-making, right? Um, yeah. It comes back to my comment earlier about, I think, uh, values versus interests. Um, we, we tend to make that, um, that fast, you know, system two decisions uh, in accordance with our interests at the time. Um, Daniel Kahneman's uh, System One and Two Thinking was, was a reference there. Um, fantastic book, if anybody yeah. out there hasn't read it yet. Highly recommend it. Um, but that is where we act in the interest bubble. I guess um, things happen very quickly or we allow them to happen quickly and we don't slow down and use our system one brain to, to really kind of draw that, uh, that thought process. Values, I think, are something where you should always start. Um, and I'm, I went into the should realm, right? So this is, again, Nick's opinion. Yep. <laughs> but I always try and ask myself, like, what values do I have that are applicable in the situation first? whether it's courage, self-reliance, you know, um, honor, you know, truth, whatever it is. Right. And then I th say, okay, what do those say I should do? And then what are my interests in this small situation that I'm in and is the decision in line with my interests? And if it is great, those are not really the difficult decisions, right? It's, it's when your decision that is in line with your values is not in line with your interests. And you have to figure out how you're going to act then. Um, there's another book. I'm going to, I'm dropping book references all, all right. over the place, but uh, it's, uh, it's called um, Finite and Infinite Games by James Kars. Okay. And he talks about the idea of a, a finite game versus an infinite game and then a finite player versus an infinite player. Um, in a finite game, there are a set number of rules. Like the rules are always the same. The both sides are known or multiple sides. And the point is to win the game. There's some conditions that you get to games over somebody won and the other people lost, right? Um, an infinite game, the rules are always changing. The uh, players may change. And the point of the game is to continue the game, mm. right? So gain and maintain a continuous advantage. There's a lot of bleed over into grand strategy and, mm -hmm. and some other things as well. But on a personal level, you know, are you trying to win the game you're in in the moment or are you trying to live into your values? Because I would argue that if you are trying to live into the values that you believe in, you need to approach decision-making like an infinite player and decide what you're going to do based on your values and not necessarily only on your interests. So let me step way back, like million foot level and ask a question that might seem like it's a silly question, but why? Like, why Why act in accordance with your values? And, and I can assume the first <laughs> level why is like, well, because it's important to you and it, and it makes you like, but, but why? Why does that matter ultimately? So my, uh, my initial answer here kind of applies more, I think, to the, uh, the international politics and, and that stage. But uh, when you, when you, 
tell people what your values are. When you've decided these are my values and this is the way I'm going to go live my life, it does it does two things. One, it makes you predictable, uh, and it makes you trustworthy. Okay. You know, you say, "Hey, I believe in courage. I believe in acting even in the face of fear." Right. Um, and then you do that, and people see you doing that. That creates trust. That creates positive relationships. Right. That creates. Um, that predictability that you would want in somebody that you won't associate with. So, uh, so at, at the one level, it creates trust. Um, at another level, I think, you know, we're following kind of peeling the onion layers back here. Yeah. I think trust is really critical to functional societies. Right. And, and if you can't trust someone, um, whether you're, it's uh, someone in your office group, whether it's somebody in your friend circle, whether it's, you know, can the U.S. trust North Korea, mm -hmm. right? Then the relationship breaks down, the society breaks down, and the general goodness, the the, the goodness for all, uh, is diminished. So if you follow the thread, kind of play it out to the end, you you get a society, or you, or you lose society, I guess is the point. If people don't, um, the, the reason to follow your values is to, build trust and predictability. And if everybody does that at scale, you get a much better functioning society, which is a good thing because that's better for everybody because I guess, what is the because there? What is it? <laughs> Individual life is more pleasurable. Is that kind of? So, I mean, you're diving into hedonism versus stoicism. A with, little bit. You know, yeah. What's the point of life, right? Um, and I like it. I like good, good, good segue. Um, but no, I would say like just just the goodness and and what do you define as goodness? Well, it's um, it's quality of life, it's uh, security, it's um, it's that positive relationship, right? And and happiness. Um, happiness doesn't necessarily equal pleasure. In this case, I'm I'm kind of splitting splitting hairs here. Maybe I'm just defining terms. Um, but yeah, the general happiness and well-being in society is is the point, right? We want a functioning, stable, um, positive society. That's not to say a uniform society. You know, mm -hmm. this is not this is not an Orwellian 1984 moment. <laughs> yeah. So like we can we can have many different values across the society, but there's going to be some that everybody needs to share, and as long as everybody is acting in accordance with those values and making decisions in accordance with those values first then I think you're going to get a much better outcome and much more harmony at the end. Yeah, I get it. I definitely get it. And I think it's probably true, right? I, you think of it almost as like friction. You're trying to minimize friction mm -hmm. in society as best you can. Um, does, does it, because like, here's the dichotomy and there's, there's tons of dichotomies as we've already identified in this. You want society to function so that people can feel, can, can, can live authentically to themselves and value what they value and be happy and have a, a good quality of life. But to achieve that, again, it doesn't have to be Orwellian, but it, there's gotta be some sacrifice, right? There has to be some consensus and alignment. Mm -hmm. So there appears to be a bit of a contradiction there in you want society to work so you can be happy for yourself and do the things you wanna do, but for society to work, you have to kind of conform with other people. Yes. And, and so this is where we start to see a, a I think, a divergence between uh, the ideal of society and the reality of society, right? Um, the things I've kind of been describing is like, 
the why and the so what, right? Um, I think I think in a perfect world, right, in, in a, an ideal place where all society, everybody who's in the society, all of their values are aligned, everything works functioning, right, and you get the you know the the social body of uh, of nineteen eighty four, right? Mm-hmm. But but that's not really how reality works, right? And so you have to. I would argue, hold on even more to those values that are common. Hmm. And, and if you have a value that is less common, um, and, and I've been in this position many times where, you know, I have a value that is not as common as the, like the rest of the society that I live in. Um, not big picture, we're talking like micro yeah. scale here, right? Um, but I have, I have had to make a decision to reduce my... Uh, I guess to, to bend a little bit more in accordance with that. And, and as, as my responsibility towards the society in general, right. Um, again, not me, but let's say, you know, let's say somebody has a completely different idea of uh, the idea of property. Hmm. Um, if you go back far enough into like uh, proto Scandinavian and, and Germanic cultures, the idea of property was like, it's only yours if you can defend it. Hmm. If you can't defend it, then it never was yours to begin with, right? So let's transplant that idea into modern reality. Like, okay, cool. So if I need something, I'm, yeah, you know, we're running low on eggs. I'm just going to go over to my neighbor's house and I'm going to take their eggs because I can't because my neighbor's like 85, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's not good, right? Because that's going to break down that, that society that's going to, you know, cause strife and, and damage and everything else. Um, so maybe because I live in this society that does have different ideas about the idea of property and thinks that everybody is entitled to, you know, property, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, et cetera. Um, maybe I say, okay, even though I believe this, I'm going to ethically, right. My behavior is going to fall in line with the ethics of society. I'm going to go ask for some eggs instead of taking them. Really, really, really interesting because it's, it's a really interesting way to think about it. Um, that that idea of when you're assessing your values, that that parameter, that criteria of how I don't want to say how popular are they, but how accepted are they by society as a whole? And I'm putting words in your mouth, so tell me if I'm if I'm misinterpreting it. But I think it's the spirit of it. Like if there are values that are more widely accepted by society, in effect, kind of mathematically, they become higher priority. Not not all else equal, right? If all else is equal, then it's mm-hmm. whatever you find more important. But they become a little bit higher in society. And that's a really interesting concept because, I mean, for one, we've already had this conversation as we've been talking through here, but somebody could go the direction of, you know, well, you know, is, is that okay? Is it okay bending your values for society? But, but I think what's more interesting as you're laying it out is from, from kind of your philosophy on life, it's kind of that you're putting trust in society. You, you believe that the optimal state for us as humans to function is when society is functioning well without friction. And the best chance for us to get to that state is if you put trust in society and kind of that alignment across, that's going to help us, give us a better chance to get there. And and it's kind of a mathematical decision that you're making to say, I'm willing to do that because I think ultimately it aligns with my greatest value, which is I want us all to be in a functioning society where everybody has a chance to be happy. Is that kind of? Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good way to put it. Um, To, to, you know, add, add on to it, like a, maybe a yes. And, uh, yeah. I, I think that, you know, nobody can have values where all of your values are equally important. Right. So you have to know what 
your your most important value is, right? Mm-hmm. And and some t- some people refer to them as principles. You take mm-hmm. a principled stand for something, right? Uh, and so you have to know what, like, where do you draw the line? Like, at some point, like, my opinion, again, uh, the, the responsible thing to do is if you're living in a society where you cannot live by those, whatever that line is, that value that you have. Let's say, let's say, just to make it real, right. like, if, if you lived in 1800, like slavery, right? If slavery was exactly accepted, right. Okay. Right. So, so let's say you are living in a society that accepts slavery as a normal way of life and you, you believe that your value, um, freedom for all, right? All men are created equal uh, and, and all of those things, right? Now it's your responsibility to do one of two things, either change the society if you believe that it is that universal of a truth, right? Or to remove yourself from that society and find another place to be. And I'm not, I don't want that to be misinterpreted as like, well, if you don't like America, just Mm -hmm. leave because that's, that's not the answer, right? I would argue that the, the better thing to do is to try and affect the positive change that you can where you're at. However, right. If, if you don't want to do that, if that's too much for you, or if that's something that, you know, you're living in a, in a society where that might, you know, it's an unrealistic goal. Um, you know, if you're, if you're living in North Korea and you believe in democracy, right. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't stand up and, you know, try and, you know, affect a revolution in North Korea. I'd probably try and leave and yeah. then come back to option one later. Like how, how could, now that I have left that society, now that I have put myself in a position that is safe, how do I go back and affect the change that I believe needs to be made? Yeah. Well said. So let me ask this as we're coming towards the end here and, and, and Nick, we may have to have you back on because I think we can go on this for a while, but um, where I think it gets really interesting, scary, you know, all the words that are thought provoking and, and all that stuff is that situation one you speak of, right? So th- there's something happening in society or, or in the world that, that goes against your principle, right? That deep value that you have. And now your thought is, right, I, I need to change society. We go back to that place that we were at before where it's like, well, how do you know? How do you know that the way you're assessing this and seeing this is right? Because it gets back to that, our minds and that we can justify something. And I'll, I'll go to another extreme example, as I often do. Um, t- take a Hitler as an example. You can envision a scenario. Now, maybe he was mentally ill, so I'm not, maybe it doesn't have to literally be him. But you could, you can imagine a scenario where somebody truly thinks like there is a better way for society to function or there's a core value that I really believe. And the right thing for me to do is to now change society in some way. But they might be wrong. <laughs> So like, how, how do you, it gets back to like, how do you, how do you figure that out? How do you actually make the, take the action that you need to take, make the decision? This is, man, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so when I was writing my, my book that comes out in about a month, uh, a lot of these ideas, these philosophy questions about how do you know what is right and how do you know what to do? Like, I've tried to wrestle with these concepts and ideas um, through the, the, the metaphor of the characters in the books. Mm-hmm. So um Take uh, take the main character, uh, well, one of the main characters. I'm trying to, to go full Game of Thrones on this, but it's turning into a little bit difficult. But um, Eric is the executor of the gene line of Olsen. He is, you know, basically one of the hands of the Empress, and uh, he rules uh, his, his piece of the empire. And uh, everything is stable. Everything is fine. He's also a complete despot and, like, a, a Machiavellian type person, but he believes he's doing the right thing. Like he truly believes in his society, in his role in it. And that like, this is how the best, you know, the most good is going to 
be uh, affected for the most number of people is if I continue to do this. And throughout the book, I kind of wrestle with him and he slowly goes through, you know, that internal character arc that, that makes good storytelling, like questioning, right? And I, I think the answer is, how do you know, is you continue to question yourself and you may or may not ever get to the answer, but you can at least get a little bit closer. You can be that infinite player and you can, you can get a little closer to what the truth might be. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think what you're getting at is we touched on it a little bit before you're never going to know, but if you don't ask the question, then, then your odds are way worse. You're pretty much just throwing darts in the dark and you're hoping that your mind is giving you the right input or you're assessing it right at a bare minimum we can't believe in certainty kind of, as you said before, right? Don't ever believe like, I definitely see this absolutely right. Even if you're Eric in that, in the book, exactly as you're saying, where you feel like, I know this is the right thing to do. That's the flag. That's the sign that you should say, wait, 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 wait. I can't know for sure. So let me look at this from another angle. What would it look like if this was wrong? Let me ask those questions and genuinely entertain the possibility that there might be a mistake here. You may still not find it, but at least you're giving yourself a chance and in many ways, I think that's probably the best we can hope for, right? If everybody acts in that manner. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, if you if you arm yourself with the tools of logic and you apply them uh, to to your own thoughts, then uh, you will only ever get better. Well said. Well said. So. Nick, we're, we're at time here. But as I said, I, I enjoyed this a ton. The book you mentioned, um, I want to give you a second to plug that. And, and for those listening, um, as you know, in the show, like it's not not meant to be plugging but that's i mean you guys should read this it sounds super interesting and this isn't you know contrived or anything like that so i'll put it in the in the notes too you can send me the link but uh before we wrap you want to just give a quick quick plug for that yeah absolutely i appreciate it um so this book actually came out of this sort of philosophy type uh discussions i was having with my wife uh, one night on the couch we were talking about what's the the best system of government for an interstellar civilization because why what else would you talk about on Friday night? <laughs> um but uh the book is called steel in the blood um, it's hopefully the first of a series. Uh, it's coming out with uh, New Degree Press in about a month. Um, it'll be available on uh, ebook for 99 cents for the first month. So uh, low, low cost of entry. And uh, you can uh, check out a little bit more about it and watch the trailer because there's trailers for books now um, on my website, which will uh, I'll get you the link to that as well. So. Perfect. Perfect. Nick, this was awesome. You gave me a ton to think about and hopefully our listeners as well. And uh, like I said, maybe we'll have you back on at some point. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. All right.